Our Bible reading is taken from Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. That's on page 991 of the Pew Bibles. The Greatest Commandment. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Ironic, isn't it? I'm going to be talking about technology today. And I forgot to turn on my mic. That's better. Um, here at Kirkpatrick Memorial, we believe that uh, Jesus Christ is Lord of all of life. Uh, Abram Kuyper, the Dutch politician and theologian, once put it like this. He said that there's not one square inch of the entire creation over which Jesus Christ doesn't say, this is mine, this belongs to me. So despite what you pick up sometimes, God's interests aren't limited to Sundays and to church. He's interested in Mondays and offices, Tuesdays and homes, Wednesdays and cities, Thursdays and countries and economies. He's interested in all times, in all spaces, every square inch of life. And over the years at Kirkpatrick, we have tried to, to take that to heart, tried to uh, believe that, tried to enter into that. And sometimes we've taken a, a, a bit of time to, to look at one of these square inches of life, one of these places where Jesus is Lord, where we might not always intuitively see that. So we talked uh, a number of years ago about work, then time, money, family. Last summer, you might remember, we had a short series where we thought about, about sex. So we've tackled all of these topics uh, over the, the last number of years. And by and large, we've taken a consistent approach. We've, uh, we've said, let's, let's go to God's Word. Let's try to understand God's heart uh, around these things so that we can be followers of Jesus so that we can walk in his ways in all these square inches where God has placed us for his glory. So we're starting another one of those uh, series this morning. It's going to run for four weeks uh, this springtime and early summer. And as I said a moment ago, the subject's technology. I thought I'd try to work out before I start who's in the room, who my crowd is. Technology divides people a wee bit. So you have three choices, right? Uh, my question's this, what do you think of technology? You can say, I love it, it's making the world a better place. You can say, I hate it, it's wrecking the world and ruining human life. Or you can say, and don't all go for this, you can say, I don't know. 
That's the, the third option, I'm not sure. So how about we think, I love it, I hate it, or I don't really know. Are, are you up for this? Everybody's going to play, aren't they? Everybody's going to show their hand. That, that way we'll get to see what kind of a crowd we are here. Hands up if you love technology and you're sure it's making the world a better place. Okay, good, good show of hands. Um, next, hands up if you don't love technology because you think it may not be making the world a better place. It's, yeah, quite a similar crowd. Hands up if you just don't know, if, if you think, goodness. Hmm, could, guys, that is entirely useless for me to, I, I was looking for some sort of over here, over here, a lovely spread of yes, no, and I don't know. So we really don't know, do we? Um, we don't know maybe individually with some convictions, corporately uh, we've got a, a divided opinion. Maybe that's no bad thing. Maybe it shows that there's something here to think about. It's complex. We don't really know uh, how to think about this subject of technology. Let, let's have a very quick first look at that question. Is technology good or bad? Uh, this isn't definitive, we'll, we'll say more as we go through this course. But, um, is technology good? I'm gonna say technology isn't, isn't good. It's not even just, you know, it, it's very good. It's very good. So some of you are already saying, oh, uh, there he is, he's, he's put himself in one camp, he's showed his hand. Technology is very, very good. And I, I want to say that, not just as my opinion, but I want to say it as a, a person who's opening God's word to you, uh, trying to lead us always into a, a biblical worldview to, to see the world the way that God does. You see, the Christian story, the story told in the Bible, tells us that human beings are meant to, to tend and to cultivate and to develop the world that we live in. And that seems to be a hun uniquely human calling. You don't see any other species uh, using and developing technology in the way that we have. You might remember this. We did this stuff not so long ago, probably about a year and a half ago on Sunday mornings. We did the opening chapters of Genesis. Uh, we talked about the, the creation, how God created this world. And you might remember God created human beings in his image, we're told. And then when he finished his creating work, he looked at everything that he had made and he said that it's very good. So the whole creation is very good. Human beings made in his image, very good. And one of the things that's very good is the creative developing impulse in human beings, our technological capacity. It sits under that umbrella of very good. So folks, we've been living with technology since the days we first started to inhabit the earth. Once you start reading about this, there's always a debate about when, when can you start using the term technology? Uh, what's modern technology? What's primitive technology? I, I don't want to get into that too much. I, I just want to say that technology reaches, the technological instinct has been with us longer than we might think. I used to think, for example, I'd heard growing up that the development of the printing press by Gutenberg and others like him in the 15th and 16th century in Europe was a real game changer 
a sort of equivalent of the internet coming uh, in the, the 90s for us. You know, you develop the printing press, suddenly the world's a different place. But I was, I was thinking about this and, and listening to a podcast about this recently. Came across a guy called Walter Ong who writes on technology and he says, forget the printing press. Learning to write. Taking your ideas, capturing them in a recordable, transferable form, that's a bigger deal than the printing press. And when I thought about it for a while, I thought, I think he's right. If you take writing out of the equation, then we're back in a very, very dark age. So, uh, simply to make the point that there's always been this technological instinct, um, and it's, it's very, very good. So with writing, with the printing press, with penicillin, with computers, it's all very, very good. I, I think even the, the die-hard anti-tech person in the room, if I offer them a world, you get to raise your world or your family in a world without anesthetic or without modern medicine. Nobody wants to go back there. So there's something about this technological instinct, technology itself, that's very, very good. Does that mean, though, that those who put their hand up first can be smug and say, that's it? I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up again, because you'll, yeah. You're right, technology is very, very good. Does it mean the guys who put their hand up in the second round, who said, technology's bad, are they wrong? I don't think so. I think the very real uh, reasons for concern, no wise Christian would ever tell you that technology is only good. You see, the same Bible that tells us about the beauty and the goodness of a created order tells us quite soon in the story of mankind's ability to take every single good thing that God gives us and put a twist on it and a twist that takes it in a bad direction. You don't have to read too far in the Bible story before the very, very good starts to show itself in some very, very bad ways and forms. One of the Bible passages that probably helps us to think about this very, very quickly, uh, about how the fall of humankind distorts our technological impulses, is, is already there in Genesis 11. The Tower of Babel, do we remember that story? Um, story takes place at a time, uh, I, I hadn't really noticed this until I looked at it again this week. It's, it's definitely technology chat going on in there. Human beings have developed their building technology. We're told in the narrative that they used bricks instead of stone and bitumen for mortar. It's one of the only times in the Bible I can really get a sense of somebody saying, you know, there's progress here, there's technological progress. Sounds like materials, technology developing. But it's interesting, as soon as the narrator tells us about this growing technology, they tell us about the, the impulse, the human impulse. What do people say when they have this growing technology? Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. We've got technology, so we're going to use it to make ourselves great. To make a name for ourselves. Think about some of the modern 
technology, think about social media. Take away that instinct to make a name for yourself or to show yourself good. You, you take most of the life out of the whole platform, don't you? The instinct hasn't changed. So almost as soon as we started to use technology, we started to use it in the wrong ways. Throughout, the, throughout history, it's been used for, for violence. Um, whenever you go to a museum and you go to the Irony exhibit, you'll probably see two things, maybe some utensils for cooking around the house, but you'll see lots of arrowheads because as soon as, and swords, because as soon as we have technology, we use it to, to kill each other. Uh, the Nazis, they were brilliant technologists. And we know what they did with the technologies that they developed. Even when we're not using technology to kill each other, um, it can serve to de-skill us. It depersonalizes us. We're going to get a chance to talk about that further in the series. But maybe for today it's enough to say, is technology good? No. Uh, certainly not in, in all its uses, the ways we end up using it. It's very, very good, but it's not all good. So we're, we're going to take a few weeks here in this series to try to work out how do you follow Jesus in this world of, of technology, this place that's complex, that's both good and bad. How are we going to live with this? Uh, how are we going to evaluate and make good choices uh, about the technology that's available to us? How can we begin to eliminate some of the harmful effects of technology and embrace its best possibilities? I've been preparing, as I've been preparing for this series, I found myself, so my question when I started was, how do we live for Jesus in this age of technology? But quite soon I found myself wanting to change the question. Because that question makes it sound like technology is the big world. It's the controlling thing. And somehow I've got to carve out a tiny niche, a tiny space where I could live faithfully for Jesus. I know why I was thinking that way, because that's how it feels. Technology does feel like it's a... Some, people have, some scholars have described it as the new religion. The, the new meta-narrative. We live in a technological world and age. But I want to resist that for a second. I want to turn the question on its head. Rather than saying, how can I find life in this world of technology, I want to ask a question. What is the good life? How can I live it? And what place might technology have as I pursue that? What's the best kind of life? What kind of life do we want to live? It won't surprise you, folks. Um, uh, I can't look up the Bible verses where Jesus or Paul tells us whether to upgrade our smartphone and whether to stay on social media. That's not how this is going to work. Uh, that, that's not a concern of Jesus or Paul. Jesus does not talk about technology, at least not modern technology that we know. But he does talk about life talks a lot about life. He talks about life because he wants you and I to live the best life that's on offer. So for example, John chapter 10, he says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I think that 
promise still holds true, even in a technological age. Jesus wants you and me to live the best possible life. Kind of begs a question, I think. Jesus, if you want us to have the best kind of life, what, what does that life look like? What form does that life take? What do you think is the best kind of life? Well, as we read the Gospels, we don't see anybody asking Jesus that question, but we do see a guy on one occasion asking a question very like it. So the teacher of the law who came to Jesus, a Pharisee, came with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? I think I've mentioned this to you before, but it's important that we get this. The Jewish law functioned differently for Jewish people than we might see it today. The Jewish law was their charter for life for them as a people. So when a lawyer comes and asks Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? He's really asking this question. What's at the heart of this law? What's at the heart of life? What's life all about? So that's the question Jesus is being asked and that's the answer that he's going to give. What is it Jesus says? What's life all about? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. That, says Jesus, is where you're going to find life. So folks, that brings us back then to, to technology, this technology that surrounds us, trying to learn to live with it, to evaluate it. What if we tried to do so in the light of Jesus' teaching? Well, our question then becomes this. This technology, how's it helping me love God? How's it helping me love my neighbor? And if we find ourselves saying, it's not, then, then we'd want to be a bit careful about how much of our time and energy we devote to something that isn't leading us into life. I don't want to miss out on life, you see. don't want to miss out on the life that Jesus offered and came to give. When I think of questions like this, there are a couple of uh, North Americans who come to mind, Marva and Wendell. Aren't those both brilliant names, by the way? I think sometimes you need to be in North America to have these, these very great names. Marva. Marva Dawn is a Christian academic, uh, a writer. You can read her stuff on the Sabbath. I remember taking a course with her at Regent College, and part of the course was a round table discussion. Um, I, I think that's interesting in itself as a teaching method. Rather than the teacher standing and talking to you, two or three people clued in on the subject, have a conversation, and you learn by listening in. Some of my best memories from my education 20 years ago are from roundtable discussions where I was listening in to a conversation. Anyway, Marva Dawn, in this roundtable discussion, it, by the way, it's 1997, I think. The internet's just arrived. Email was still, looked like something out of a Space Invader machine, you know, the... People know what I'm talking about. It didn't, it didn't look like Gmail. It didn't, you know, it, it was, you, you felt like a programmer because of, of the way the screen looked. It, I, I think the writing was still green. I tried to reference it there in my slides, uh, the, the early days of, of all this tech stuff. So 
So internet's just new, email's new, people are starting to connect by email. In this roundtable conversation, Marva Dawn's asked the question, do you use email? And she says, no. Why not? I'll never forget her answer, she said, because there's an old lady living down my street that I'd like to visit, and I haven't got round to doing it yet because I've always felt too busy. And if I go on email, I'm going to spend more time there and I'm going to have less time to visit down my street. So no, for now, I'm not going on email. Wow. Now you may not agree at all with her decision, but here's what I want you to notice. That level of intentionality. Here's a woman who knows the kind of life that she wants to live and will not be distracted from it. No matter how shiny the gadget. Life comes first. Tech will find its place around it and underneath it. Powerful stuff. Wendell Berry is a poet, a novelist, and an environmentalist. I, I've never met him, but I, I've come across him a number of times. He's a, he's a farmer in Kentucky. Um, I was going to say he's a Kentucky farmer. Does that mean he raises chickens for, for fast food? I, I, I don't think so, actually. If you know Wendell Berry, I, I don't think he would. In 1987, so we're going back another 10 years, he wrote a, an essay why I'm not going to buy a computer. I don't know if he bought a computer over the last near 40 years or 30 whatever years, but back then he said, I'm not going to buy a computer. And at the start, he describes his writing method. He says, as a writer, I write with a pencil and a piece of paper. My wife types my work on a Royal Standard typewriter I bought new in 1956, as good now as it was then. I, as I say, I don't know whether he's bought a computer since then. He's, he's a widely published author. But again, I love his level of intention around technology. Listen to this. He says, I do not see how computers are bringing us one step nearer to anything that actually matters to me. Peace, economic justice, ecological health, political honesty, family and community stability, good work. I'll just leave you with those guys. Let, let that ruminate with you. Um, you may, maybe you just think they're crazy. Why so hard on technology? Well, this is the question that I've been wondering about and finally I'm getting a chance to invite you to wonder about too. Technology's complicated. That's why the we vote being quite evenly split actually gave me a great deal of heart. It seems probably quite good that we can't quite figure it all out just yet and can't quite make up our mind. It's complicated. You see, there are things about technology that are absolutely brilliant. So I'm preaching to you now. I'll tell you how this script, this sermon that I'm sharing got to be there. It started here. And in an office in the fudge factory, I tapped some keys. And it synced, it synced 
everything that I did there synced to my computer at home so I could do finishing touches on the, the work there. Um, then I pinged it from there to this device, which means I can read it. I don't have to print anything. I don't have to, to waste paper and print. Uh, every sermon I've ever preached, probably nearly a thousand sermons are here, and I, and I carry them on my phone. Um, later, later today, Sterling's going to upload the podcast and it's going to just land in your device one click away for people. So some people, you are listening to this on the podcast and I've described how the sermon got from my head to your earbuds. It's staggering and wonderful. And it just makes life work. So that's, that's great. Technology is very, very good. But let's not lose sight of the bigger, more important questions. Is it giving me life? Is it making me into the kind of human being who's contributing something of lasting value to my, my spouse and my family, my society, my broken world? Is it helping me love God? Is it helping me love my neighbor? Andy Crouch, in a, a wee book that I've been reading, The Tech-Wise Family, he puts the technology paradox like this. He says, technology is a brilliant, praiseworthy expression of human creativity and cultivation of the world. But it is at best neutral in actually forming human beings who can create and cultivate as we're meant to do. Do you see what he's saying? Technology is amazing. It does incredible stuff, but it doesn't do the important stuff. Not, not on its own. Only in some very derivative way. So, if I give my life to enjoying, consuming, pursuing technology, I may well lose my soul. Because the important stuff won't be happening in my life. Technology on its own is not going to bring me into life, into fullness of life that only Jesus can bring. That's nearly enough for today, just to get us invited into this, uh, start thinking about it. Let me spend the last few minutes telling you what we're planning to do with this series. Our aim is pretty straightforward uh, with the series. What we're going to try and do, we're going to try and avoid saying that technology is the best thing in the world and you've seen that already, we're going to avoid saying that it's the worst thing in the world, and we're going to say that it's just a thing in the world. And we're going to try and put it back in its proper place. I, I firmly believe that a person who walks with Jesus Christ, who pays attention to God's Word, is given a perspective on absolutely every part of human life, clear enough and true enough to keep them healthy, no matter how unhealthy the culture becomes. That's what we're looking for. We want to think about technology well enough so that we can start to, to become healthier and to be healthy people, no matter what technological developments occur around us. If we don't learn to put technology back in its place 
and to use it in the right ways, it's going to rob us of life. Some of you might have an idea in your own life or in the life of someone near you of what I'm talking about. Technology in its proper place is going to help us connect with people, real people, to start good conversations, to take care of our fragile bodies, to develop our own creativity, to cultivate an awe of God's beautiful creation. But only if we use it well. Three topics we're going to think about over the next few weeks. First of all, we're going to think about how technology is uh, affecting us as individuals. So I'm thinking of, of a crowd like this. What effect is, uh, we're going to use as a, a, a sort of a strap line, how your phone is changing you. All right? You probably have a bit of a niggle that your phone might be changing you. We're going to think about that. How your phone is changing you. Then we're going to think about technology in our families and our households. Research says that parents are finding it more difficult to parent than ever before. Parents today believe it's harder to parent than it was for the previous generation. I, I don't know if that's true, but that's, that's the felt experience. They, they list off a number of factors. There's a lack of common morality in the culture. There's high academic pressure. But guess what comes top of the list of things that makes it hard to be a parent in our generation? Technology. So we're going to think in a couple of weeks' time about how to raise, sorry, next week, about how to raise a tech-wise family. And then on the final sermon, we're going to think about, uh, a, we're going to just throw the whole thing open, and I'm going to share a little bit personally. I'm going to say, Here's some things that are great about tech, and here's some things that are even better than tech. That's where we'll try to finish. So this series, which seems to be about technology and, and will be, we're not going to be talking endlessly about smartphones and social media, so if you're not into technology, don't worry. Uh, you won't be lost in the detail. It's, it's like every other series that we teach. It's about how to follow Jesus how to be with him, love God, love our neighbor. And one thing I'd want you to be open to is that as we pursue this, as we look to Jesus for life to the full, don't be surprised if technology in its proper place might actually help. Let's pray. Father God, you created us to know you, to know your love, to be your daughters and your sons, to celebrate a beautiful life with you. And Lord, as long as we've walked this earth, we've found ways to muck that up. And some of the ways we do that, some of the, the ways that change over time, that develop, we, we choose to call them technology. Lord, we pray that you'd help us as we look at this real world that we live in, as we think about the devices that we carry in our pockets, the potential that they have, the effects that they're having on us. Lord, humble us. Just, just wake us up out of our stupor. Show us, first of all, that there's life 
and that you offer it to us. Help us to relegate all these other questions for a moment just so that we can hear your still small voice and believe that we could connect with you. Lord, you start to speak to us, we pray. Do it today. And teach us everything we need to know about all this other stuff. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a a lovely song, but a a simple song together. I love you, Lord. It's, uh, we'll, we'll stand as we sing and the stewards will lift the offering just as we do. Thank you. take a seat. We did it there. We did one of those things that's better than technology. Singing. There was a wee moment where something harmonized. Isn't the harmony of human voices just incredible? We can build machines as long as we like, but we're not going to outdo that. There is beauty in this world.